Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Ennevar. I am Clive Ennevar, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Fred Shibesta about how to build an app that solves a real consumer problem. Fred Chibester is an international speaker, serial entrepreneur, award-winning digital marketer, author, and media commentator. He is the co-founder of Finder. Finder is a global personal finance comparison website which operates in more than 80 countries with 10 million monthly visitors, currently valued at $246 million. Last year, Fred established a venture capital arm, Finder Ventures. Fred has also won Entrepreneur of the Year by Blockchain Australian Industry Awards 2019. He was awarded a fellowship with Blockchain Australia. He's also on the Young Rich List. Fred, welcome. Tell me, where do you get the time to do all this? (laughs) Well, I think I try to optimise my days as best I can. And I think I'm just a very curious person. So I tend to read a lot. And I think the combination of those two things means that, you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night, when I've got an idea, I just I have the energy to keep working and exploring. I think that's where that sort of comes from. But, you know, I think a lot of this, a lot of these things you got to remember are not just me, but there's an incredible crew that is around me and that helps me make this possible. And then there's amazing people inside, you know, Finder that drive and run that business. So that gives me the time to keep pushing forward. That's excellent. I'm pleased to hear that you listen to those messages in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. Many. Just getting away from business for a moment, I understand that you have other messages in the middle of the night. You have two little girls that keep you busy, I believe. I do. Portia and Sachi. I wonder if one day they'll listen to some of these podcasts that I'm, you know, working with you on, Clive. But, you know, they are, I just dropped them at school this morning and, you know, they're super fun. I actually just took them skiing as well. They've been skiing the last five years. So they've got their skiing underway and I'm very happy to be skiing with them. That's one of the joys in my life. Excellent, because one of the things that I try and encourage people to learn about business is that the first thing a business should give somebody is a life. So I'm pleased to hear that you're enjoying yours. Getting back to business, you've got so much going on. Just to give the listeners a bit of idea, I'm talking to you in Sydney today, but you're in 80 countries. You were just mentioning to me off air that you're heading to New York and you've only recently come back from Poland. Tell us a little bit about how you travel around and keep tabs on this large enterprise. You know, I think the first thing is it's taken a long time to get to this position. You know, it's 10 years, so it's not, it's sort of incremental step by step. It was one country first, then it was two countries, and now, you know, it's a few more. I get a lot of energy from going to other countries and learning about them as I like to explore and understand new places. And I think that gives me the energy to go and do those things. 
I think in 2017, 2018, I kind of maxed out. And in 2019, I took a bit of a break from traveling. I didn't travel as much. I sort of sort of stayed in Sydney a lot more. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things is the time with which you travel to another place. That's one thing. But then it's how fast can you get into a routine? So I always try and plan some exercise in... I'll have the same restaurants I go to. I eat, order the same food at the same time. And I think those are the things which allow me to sort of start up and keep going. I stay in the same hotels. Uh, you know, I know it may not be, you know, I do move around from time to time, but it's just in order to survive, you know, and not have to deal with too many disturbances and changes, I find that the best way is to, you know, as fast as possible, get into that routine in that local environment. I think the best way, but, you know, you want to, like you said, balance some of that with with living as well. So, most of the time, like I've never been up the Empire State Building, you know, and I've been to New York, I don't know how many times now. I have a US visa, but that's just not part of, I just don't, that's not what I'm doing there. You know, I'm there to meet with people and, you know, work on our business that we've got and, you know, work with the CEO there. And so, it's a different, you know, sort of, I guess, experience, I think, than most people will go to a country and experience uh, or a city. And so, as best I possibly can, I do try and do some cultural activities. So, go to, but you have to plan them. You know, we're going to, at this night, go and see this show or we're going to go to this restaurant, you know, let's go and try this Egyptian restaurant or whatever it may be. You know, you really have to plan that and they need to become non-negotiables. Right, because it's very easy to go into a country, and I find you just immerse yourself, and you're just deep down the rabbit hole, and you can't stop working. That's normally what happens, and that's normally when I hit burnout. I actually hit burnout quite a few times, and I think that's the, when you're talking about coming back to that balance or trying to find some sort of counterweight to it and living life. If it's you know you go to these places and all you do is work, I think yeah, it doesn't feel I don't know, it just it doesn't feel. It just feels like another city to me. It doesn't feel any different. But I enjoy that as well. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to work. I just got to get stuff done. So, yeah, and probably there's no exact formula to that, Clive, but that's how I sort of survive that. Oh, I agree, Fred. It's very difficult to come up with a precise formula. However, you did mention some pretty serious words in what you were saying there, like plan, learn, research, habit routine. <laughs> yeah. All of those things are very, very important when you want to do things with the least stress. But let's take a step back. As you had the idea to come up with finder.com, were all of those words present then? I think a lot less planning in the beginning. I don't think necessarily I came up with finder.com. I think it was with Frank as well, my co-founder. So together it was actually an experiment to give you the, the full, there's another word for you, Clive. And we actually had four businesses. We had a poker side, a Mother's Day present side, and a Sudoku side when those were popular. And we had credit card finder. So, you know, I think back then, the, 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 it was more, let's experiment, let's try things. The plan, that was the plan, but the plan was to experiment. And we, we executed those, right? So we launched the poker site. It did okay, and then it kind of didn't become as popular. Sudoku, you can't really make money out of. Mother's Day presents, unfortunately, only happens one time a year. So that's not really a business. 
But the credit card finder business was consistent and it was always growing. We were like, wow, there's something here. So if I was to go back, I think some of those words were present. So the learning, the planning, I don't know if routine was. I think we were in those very early days. We were stopping and starting and, you know, pushing where and pulling back. So I'd say a lot more pivoting. I think that was more important back then. And being okay with failing, you know, making mistakes that didn't work. Okay, cool. Next, let's go on to the next one. That's the third value of Finder is go live. We're all about going live at Finder. Yep. (laughs) But I think that I would love to be able to say at the very start, we knew and had a vision of what we wanted to create and how we're going to do it. But I just didn't, we just didn't, you know, I just wanted, you know, to rank number one in Google for credit card. That was my, that was my goal. And then I thought, what kind of website could we put on there? And we thought, well, you know, an education side about comparing cards and teaching people and guiding people and all the things there are to do with credit cards. We thought, okay, let's build a site about that. And that went on to do that, which is, you know, I think that's, that sort of birthed that formula. And then we said, hey, there's a bit more to this, right? So I think, you know, coming back, I guess, reflecting more on the actual, what we've done, what was working. And we thought, okay, is there a bigger idea in this? And then we recreated that. And we said, hey, let's try it in home loans. And then let's try it in life insurance. And that's sort of very incrementally over time. That's how that started. In Australia, I think we compare over like a thousand different categories now. In the US, I think it must be around a hundred. In the UK, probably a good hundred as well. And that's sort of the emerging countries. But I think each of those steps, but yes, I think there was a plan. I think planning was definitely big. But in the beginning, I think the degree of pivoting and experimenting and trying things was much higher than necessarily today where, you know, that's where Fun Adventures comes in. Fun Adventures is more of that area now where we try things and we experiment with stuff. And we still do that, right? We still incrementally improve things and try things in Finder. It's just done in a much more structured manner. Over time, you've managed to turn it into a routine. That's a good call. Well, that, full loop there, Clive. Well played. <laughs> and, of course, that's what business is all about. We establish a routine and sometimes, unfortunately, we establish a routine that is driving us backwards, but other times we have the opportunity to drive ourselves forward. So what were the things that you noticed that might help others to understand when you saw a result, whether it was positive or negative, was there a particular way that you dealt with that result? So I think, you know, it's obviously important to get the data. I normally check the data, you know, because sometimes how things are measured and what you're measuring is that actually connected to the result that you're trying to get, you know, there's sometimes a bit of a dissonance. A good example of that is if inside the company we're talking about, oh, we've got lots of visitors and lots of traffic to the site. Well, then the next thing I'll check is, well, what was the conversion rate and what was the revenue we got from that? Because that's more probably more important. So that's normally how I deal with that. Now, whether it's up or down, like a positive or a negative result, I think it's great. And the next thing I always look for is, what is the opportunity that this result now creates? What's the So if it's a bad result, it's like, wow, you know, this campaign completely flopped. You know, that email we sent out, no one opened it. That's great. Now we know people don't like those things. So what is the opportunity now? Well, let's say something the opposite, for example, or let's also, what's another opportunity? Let's pause doing more of that wherever else we're doing that in the company because that informs us as people aren't very interested in that. There's always some 
I think action that you can positively take, whether the result is positive or negative all the time, that's the way I sort of interpret those things. You know, and I think what you're sort of also driving at with your question about results is once you get a positive result, the other thing I'll try and do is establish a process and a system and a way to report on that so that it goes from being, like you said, a one-off to becoming a routine. So let's just say you run an experiment and you send an email out to your customers on a particular day of the month and that seems to be very high and it's about this particular content. Sure, you know, you've got some incremental, just a little bit of incremental revenue and everyone was really happy from it. Well, that's something you could repeat every single month. And they're the things I look for. Like, is this result evergreen? You know, is it, is it so able to be turned, like you said, into a, a routine or a process? Because if it is, then that's the one that I really, we turn it into a blueprint and we share that around the world. We go, hey, here's something that's working. Quick, let's share this to everyone. And then everyone goes, oh, wow, I'm going to use that as well. It's been proven. It's been tested. Okay. It's endorsed by, you know, centrally. It, obviously, this is different in for other companies. But for us, we need to distribute that and align and communicate that. But you know, in the beginning, all I was trying to do was go, okay, this works, let's try and replicate it again and again and again and again and again and again consistently. Love to hear it because uh, many, many people in business get a, a result which is not necessarily negative, but not necessarily what they were anticipating and look at it in a subjective manner and take it all to heart and worry and stress until they disappear out of business. One of my favorite sayings is what is, is. What is really doesn't matter. What matters is how we react to what is. So I'm delighted to hear that whatever you find, you look at it in an objective way. What is the opportunity here? So are there any big opportunities rushing at you right now, Fred? Oh, there's a lot. Wow. You know, one of the challenges at Finder is we just have so many opportunities presented to us. And, you know, there's people just constantly pitching to us. And I encourage people to keep doing it. There's just a queue, unfortunately. And we're just dealing with that. And just dealing with that is one thing in and of itself. You know, prioritization in a big organization becomes a real challenge. Speaking of a big organization, how many people are involved in your organization now that the two of you created from an experiment? So there's 310 full-time employees in Finder around the world. And there is, I'd say, another 150 to 200, I guess, you know, part-time crew. So if you go into our Slack channel in general, there's a good 500 people there. And that's, you know, you can send a message out and it goes all around the world. But we see people who, you know, they don't necessarily work full-time. We also see them as part of the crew. We want them fully aligned and understanding what we're doing. So it's not just a full-time crew. And it's the other thing we're very careful of is we don't like to have like a headquarters. You know, we want it to be like a decentralized organization as best we possibly can so everyone feels included. At the end of the day, business is about people. 100%. You know, that, that's what makes Finder tick. It's not me. I believe, you know, if you take care of people and you recruit great people, great people who have been inspired and got the resources, create a great company and a great company takes care of its customers. 
which they, you know, and that's when the profits and the revenues come from. So it all starts from the people. Exactly. It's all about people. And so often I hear conversations turn to clients and customers and all of a sudden they lose their face. So we want to bring it all back to people because it's all about people. So with all of this going on, what do you regard as your superpower? That's a great question. You know, I think my superpower is to bring energy to people, to inspire and challenge people with love as well, but, you know, to do great things. If you're going to spe- press the special button, you know, if we're playing a computer game and I press my special button, I think people get an extra boost of energy that they perform just a little bit better. They, they strive for a bit more. And when they turn back, people say this all the time, they turn back, they look back over the last six months, they go, I don't think I've ever achieved or grown that much in my life. And, you know, I think it's sort of the area of effect, that input that I have. And, you know, let me give context, Clive. I'm learning that and how to wield that still. You know, that's not an easy skill to, you know, master because sometimes you just need to get stuff done, right? And then there are other times where need not really going to focus on the actual things that are going to get done. I'm actually focused on the crew feeling inspired to do what they're going to do and eventually get to where they need to go. And that means sometimes you're not where you need to be. And that's uncomfortable, very uncomfortable for me. And so I'm learning to master my superpower. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I've always thought that superpowers should be that. They're like perfection. They're a journey, not an end, not a destination. 100%. So, now, we've had a very quick trip through your years of development and what have you with Finder. But if you could go back in time, what would you do differently? You know, I think I'm being quite vulnerable here, Clive, to some extent. is I think well, It's just you and I, Fred. Nobody else is here. No one's listening. Okay, that's right. Well, I hope people are listening because this is a great podcast, Clive. I appreciate what you're doing. It's, it's incredible. And everyone else, everyone who's here as well should fully subscribe. Get on board. This is where it's at. When I was building Finder, a lot of things, you know, building with Frank and everyone here, with Jeremy, you know, Greg, Michelle, all the crew here, one of the challenges I got to was, and this is hard to say, but I got to a point where I became the rate limiter of the company. My ability to emotionally handle the things we were dealing with, the challenges we were up against, and the potential, you know, loss, failure, mistakes, all those kind of things. Emotionally, I was not prepared to deal with that. And so what would happen, and this happens in every company, I think you gr- the company grows bigger than the founders, right? And what they can emotionally handle. And so what you get is you actually get to a situation where you start to sabotage the company. And you, not, not consciously, it's unconscious. You know, you start to say really, you know, not great things. You have big conflicts with people. You, all sorts of things that don't contribute at the end of the day to the organization and where it's going. And, you know, I'd say a good six years ago, I, I noticed this. I kept, I made the same mistake three times in a row and it was kind of fundamental. And I thought to myself, why am I doing this? Why am I constantly making the same mistake? 
And I, so I went out and I thought, okay, well, uh, this is clearly past me. I need to go and get the third party piece of advice here because something's not, this is beyond, I'm not solving this. I'm not like consciously, I can't train myself to solve this. So I actually went and met a guy and I got an emotional coach. He's an emotional coach. And I was very, very threatened by the things that he was saying, you know, talking about, and he was just pushing my emotions. I was so, I'd actually call my, like refer to myself as emotionally immature, very emotionally immature. And it took a good, you know, I've been committed to myself and working on myself for six years now. And that has enabled me to, you know, much, much more get to places where I don't think the company could have handled getting to. And I guess it's something I wish I started earlier. Working on yourself is... So, one thing I think I didn't realize is that one of the biggest assets you have is yourself. You are an asset to the company. And if you don't invest in yourself, I'm not talking about like skills. And I'm talking about like, you know, like obviously, you know, I train my, my mind. I read a lot and, you know, I committed to that and learning new skills. I'm learning deep learning right now. Wow. That's an incredible space, by the way. Physically, I have a personal trainer and I'm committed to that. But there was this whole other world of emotional fitness that I just was not committed to. And I, I thought, you know, I can handle any emotional situation. I don't get emotional. You know, I'm not going around crying, but it's not about that. There's more to, you know, emotional, I guess the word, you know, people use the word emotional intelligence than I'd say initially meets, you know, the top level. It's about a deep understanding of yourself. And I think that's, again, like you said, Clive, it's something that never ends, right? It's something that you can keep discovering about things about yourself that you didn't realize were there for your whole life. And I think if there was something I didn't realize that was a key asset, but I encourage everyone, no matter what age you are, you know, I was 33 when I started doing that. I suppose I could have been younger, would have been great, but I just, I wasn't. But now, you know, that's something I would have started a little earlier. Indeed, I agree that regardless of what age, one should look at these things. It's been my experience going through those sort of circumstances to discover new things about yourself, some of them frightening at the time that they're being discovered, not necessarily frightening because of what they are. But I found that one can always grow as a result of discovering these things. Have you had a, a similar experience to that? I think, you know, it's a mandatory as a founder of a company that you need to grow with the organization. And I've had so many roles that I've had in the company and been fired from continuously, right? You know, and that... That's an ego challenge, right? It's constantly challenging you to reinvent yourself and grow. You know, I didn't wake up in the morning and become a good, you know, co-CEO of a large enterprise. That's, you know, there's no chance. And in my first business with Frank, I don't think I was nowhere near as good a manager or leader. Whereas I think in this organization, again, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm the best manager in a big group. And that's where I think the other leaders at Finder handle. I sort of identified that my strengths this is an area of personal growth, right? That understanding in, of myself that I'm better in smaller teams with very distinct, specific, you know, groups of people that I think have a very strong mission, but the actual path to get there is unclear. And even the commission is a little foggy as well. That's where I'm thrive. So 
you know, that's where my curiosity kicks in. But I think, you know, what's the learning from that is, you know, where are you your best? That's the growth. You know, that's the area. Where are you 10x better? Where do you feel in flow? I think that's sort of what I've learned over time. Indeed. Good advice, I think. And for all of those people out there who might be finding it, uh, well, that they're a little bit stagnant or whatever, perhaps it's time to learn something new. Too often, I think, we spend our time with people who tell us what they think we want to hear. So perhaps it's time for us to explore new avenues, what might be a different way of achieving this result, rather than trying to do it the same old, same old, same old, especially, of course, if the same old, same old has been tried and didn't work. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think when there's, a, you know, there's a crew member or someone, there's a, you know, I obviously sit with crew and I have, I give them little moments when I try and, you know, as best I can coach them in that. And one of the ways that I sort of, when there's someone who just, you know, hasn't quite, there's a problem you've always been coming back to and you're both conscious and aware about it. I challenge them and I say, what's a new conversation we can have? What's a new way we can solve this? I like these new conversations. They open up new pathways and surprisingly enough, new pathways tend to lead to very green pastures. All very exciting. As we come to the end of our conversation, Fred, what's the best tip you have received from a business conversation? I think just to give you context, a lot of my learnings have come from videos and conferences and books. So I haven't necessarily met the person, but I listened to what they used to say and when people write about what they did say. So I have to proxy through that just because Australia is a very small place. And, you know, a lot of these other people I've learned from are overseas. So that's just to give you everyone context. I may not have met the person, you know, but I remember one of the things that I read Jeff Bezos' book, you know, The Everything Store. And one of the things that's been really struck, you know, it really profoundly has affected me and what I've been sort of looking at today. And over the last, I'd say, a good three years of Finder is bringing the customer in the room and starting from the customer's problem and working backwards. And I think, you know, even for Finder, you know, imagine we've been doing this comparing credit cards for 10 years, 10 years, Clark. You know, that's the same thing, you know, over and over and over and over again. That's quite a repetitive thing. And credit cards haven't really changed that much. They're the same as they were 10 years ago, pretty much. But the idea then when I heard that is to bring in the customer into the room, I thought, okay, what are they trying to do? Why is this problem so hard? Well, you know, you've got to go to Google and then you've got to go to Finder and then you've got to go and look at, put all your details in and those kind of things. And I thought, wow, you know, there's just a big process, right? So people go, oh, I can't really be bothered. That's the biggest issue facing our business. You know, I brought the customer in the room. And, you know, I remember I sat, I had some lunches with customers and I asked them, you know, what do you think about comparing? Say, ah, oh, I'm not really into it. I was like, why not? It's like, I just can't be bothered. And I'm like, that's fair. You know what I mean? Like, that's actually fair. I get that. So, you know, by bringing the customer in the room and just asking that biggest problem, you really look at the problem too that's inhibiting your consumption. That's where the idea of this app came from, right? So. What it does is connects to your bank account and your credit cards and it automatically compares them for you. So it takes out all that front end from you and just tells you, hey, you could save some money here or hey, you're on a great deal. We've got that sorted. You're all done. You're all good to go. Or hey, there's a bit, probably a bit, you know, something you, you might want to look at here. And I think 
that idea, but that insight that doesn't, doesn't just come from you know oh day to day doing the same thing. It's like you've got to go and step back, bring the customer back into the room, and ask them what's their problem with this. And you may feel like you said before, you might feel emotionally you know rocked by it, where they say, "Well, I just can't be bothered doing your entire business," which is fair. But translating that to going, okay, how are we going to solve that? You know, what are we doing? How are we going to take responsibility for the problem the customer is having in order to give them a better service? You know, I think that's sort of where where that, that led me. Indeed. And, of course, that's a key to business. What does the customer want? What pathway does the customer want to follow to achieve what they want? If we are able to give them that, all of a sudden they feel pretty good about it as a general rule. So just before we get let you get away, what's the top piece of advice you'd like to leave listeners with today? You know, I think, Clive, one of the things facing most people who either want to start a business or are in business, they sort of hit this point, and I know, I know it intimately, is where you, you're almost about to give up. And I just want to share something, if you're there right now, is that... I just want to share with you right now and empathize because I've been dealt tough cards as well. We've dealt with all sorts of problems. Don't see it as me as a shining. There's all sorts of problems that are underneath that surface that we've had to go and deal with and we're dealing with other problems as well. So I just want to ask you right now that you look inside yourself and you say, can I just be a little more courageous? You know, I just wonder if there's anyone out there who's just got a bit of courage left to go and do what you need to go and do you know what you need to go and do and i know you all after everything you've been through after all the challenges you're facing after everything that's affecting you right now have some courage not only in what you're doing but in yourself because it's not about the cards that you're dealt it's how you play them it's not the problems you've got it's like what you're going to do with your problems because everyone's got problems. You know, I've got 99 of them, Clive. That's excellent advice, Fred, and an interesting point that you make but didn't put into words. Regardless of how good you're doing or how big you've become or how well things are looking into the future, there's usually a problem there with it, isn't there? Always, Clive, always. So it would appear that we're here to solve problems, Fred. <laughs> That's a story for another day. <laughs> Most importantly, before we get away, let you get away, how can our listeners connect with Fred Shabesta to start their own business conversation? I'm very active on LinkedIn. Come and join me there. You can Google my name and you'll see my LinkedIn profile. My last name's a bit of a curly one to spell, but... But it's spelled S-C-H-E-B for Bob, E-S-T for Tom, A, Shabesta. That's the one. And that sounds very much like the best... Yep. I call it the best star. The best star. <laughs> there we go. That's perfect. There you go. <laughs> I think as well, Clive, I'm offering, you know, I would love any feedback on our latest app product. You know, it's free. You get the account for free, the aggregation, the free credit score. So any feedback on that would be great. I would appreciate that. And that latest one, where do we find that? If you just go to finder.com.au slash app, it's right there. There we go. So everybody, jump onto that one and let Fred know your feedback so that he can, if necessary, tidy it up. Fred, this has been a great conversation. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and your time with us. 
I think if I can find you not travelling to one of your 80 countries, or even if you are in a different country, with enough time to chat, I'm sure we'll have you back again. It'll be an honour, Clive, an honour. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.